0: Good morning, Good News Church. Good How are you doing? So good to have you here this morning. My name is Erin Bailey. I am a member here at Good News with my husband Noah. Um, we've been coming here for 20 years. We have four children. Our two daughters are in college together, and we have two boys. They're in middle school and high school, and they are still doing homeschool with mom here. Um, so thank you so much for coming here this morning. Um, there is a card in the seat back in front of you. Um, Please take it and feel free to fill out as much or as little information as you would like. Um, You can check if you wanna have lunch with a pastor or just any questions. I'm also announcing quite a few things that you might wanna ask for more information on that too. Also, if you are interesting, interested in becoming a member here at Good News and joining our church family and would like to find out more about what we believe and who we are, please put on the card that you would like to come to our Discover Good News. It is either Saturday, July 15th or Wednesday, July 19th, and child care is provided. We would love to see you there. And something fun that we've been doing at the church for a while now are our super Sundays. So every time there's a month with five Sundays, we take the last Sunday to celebrate something really awesome. So this Sunday, July 30th, not this Sunday, this Sunday, that's the fifth Sunday in July. (laughs) July 30th, we are having a super Sunday cookout with burgers, hot dogs, sides, all the fun things. You're supposed to dress in 50s casual which I asked Strider what that was. He's gonna model for us that morning, apparently, this really awesome shirt, but I'll keep the rest of that a secret surprise. I may have ruined the surprise. Um, Anyway, so yeah, guys, that's just casual button-up shirts. I think most of the women then wore dresses, but my advice to you is that it's July 30th in St. Augustine, Florida at 5.30, so just wear whatever will keep you alive because it'll be hot. Um, So you can take out your phone and scan that QR code to sign up for a side, that is all we are asking you to bring. There are also these cards in the lobby, which have all the information and the QR code as well. So we hope to see you there. Um, Okay, so this week we celebrated the 4th of July, I hope you had an amazing time with your friends and family. I am so thankful for the freedom that we have in this country, and I am so thankful to the servicemen and women that... um, sacrificed so much to, in order for us to have that freedom. Sadly, too many of our service men and women have chosen to take their lives or have considered it. So our church has established this program, the Fire Watch. Um, we would love for you to go online, goodnewsloves.com slash military and find out information. Uh, this program is offering a one hour training um, for you to come and just be aware of things to look for in the relationships that you have with um, veterans that you know. So it's a really awesome thing our church is doing, and I just really urge you to find out more information about that. Another thing that I do here at Good News Church, besides staying on the stage sometimes, is I am um, a member of the global outreach team, which is... Uh, really exciting thing that we do. Our church takes 13% of all of your giving and uses it to plant churches all over the world. Um, So over the last couple decades and more, um, our church has planted 165 churches in all different countries and here. It's really awesome. I'm super thankful to be a part of that. Um, So this year, our family of six took the trip of a lifetime. We might be losing one of our daughters soon to marriage. So we thought it was our last, our last time. No, that's actually not a loss. It's a gain of a wonderful (laughs) son-in-law. Anyway, so we took our family on this trip. We met the Plumley family in Israel. um, And We do not have any churches planted in Israel yet, but I just wanted to talk about us going there because it was so awesome. And Dean and Amy and their family were able to take us to different places and show us um, places where Jesus walked. And it was just really awesome to be there and see these mountains and think about David, you know, writing in Psalms about, you know, where does this help come from? It comes from the mountains and seeing that and just, anyway, if it's not on your bucket list, you should maybe put it there. So after we left Israel, we headed to Greece, just our family, and it was an amazing trip. We love Greece. Noah and I had gone with Travis and Canaan a couple years ago um, to meet with church planners in Athens, and we were able to spend some time with those church planners again. Yodas on the left, um, in the picture, Yodas and his wife, Nopi. Yodas is our um, ministry partner for Greece. Good News Church has planted eight churches there, and his son, George, in the middle with his dog Um, He recently graduated seminary and is planning our most recent church in Athens in a place called Petrolona. So it was just so encouraging to hear from them, hear what's going on. In Athens, less than one-third of the percent of the population are evangelical Christians. It's almost all Greek, Orthodox, or um, secular. So that was amazing. We got to attend a service at another church that we planted called Kipseli with Stephanos and Manon. We got the little headphones so we could understand what they were saying, and it was just such a beautiful thing to see the fellowship and the community and the love for Jesus and the love for each other in this place where it is really not easy to be a Christian. Um, As a matter of fact, it's technically illegal to share your faith with anyone under 18. Um, So that was amazing, and please continue to pray for them. Then we headed to Italy and spent um, a week and a half there We have partnered with eight churches also in Italy, Um, and so we were able to visit Enrico, Isabella, and their son Danny in um, Bologna. We partnered with them in 2014, and now they are moving to Modena, which is where the really good balsamic vinegar is from, and they're going to plant a church there as well. After Bologna, we headed north to Verona, which... Um, Romeo and Juliet, you know, weren't actually real, but it is a beautiful city and you can imagine, you know, what happened, but, uh, we met with Danny and Alina. We partnered with them in 2019 to plan a church in Verona, which right before COVID, I'm sure as you know, Italy was a very, um, locked down country for a long time. So they really struggled that first year or so, but it was such an amazing thing to go with them. We went to a Wednesday night church service, um, just to hear them. Tell their stories they served food to us which was awesome and um, just to talk with them about their plans to share the gospel because also in italy as i'm sure you know um, it's predominantly roman catholic and also secular um, after leaving verona we headed south to rome and we met with leo and his wife valeria we went to their service as well at brecca di roma which means the breach of rome it is Planted in the um, shadow of the Vatican. Uh, Leo is our ministry partner in Italy. He's the one that connects us with different church planners. Um, it was very encouraging to hear about the work they're doing as well. Um, I think for me, with all three of these countries, the thing that I was most overwhelmed with was the, the religiosity of the people there and how in every place, people are just working so hard to earn their way to heaven. And I was just so thankful for the gospel. I was so thankful for the freedom that we have in Christ. Um, for example, there are stairs in Rome that Jesus supposedly walked down that Constantine's mom brought to Rome. And people crawl up these stairs on their knees to get to Jesus at the top so that they can have forgiveness for some of their sins. So it was just such an amazing thing to know that Jesus came down those stairs. We we do not have to crawl to get to him. He, has come down for us and he's waiting for us to receive him. Um, So if you would like more information about global outreach, you could also put that on your card. And also, I would really encourage you, we have churches planted, like I said, all over the world and several here, even in Florida. And it is just such a fun thing if you are traveling to go and meet these people. And it is so encouraging to them. I mean, we thought it was amazing, but they are so blessed by having people from good news just stop by and say hi and let them know we're thinking about them we're praying about them so i would really encourage you to get the list and find out you know you might be going somewhere where there's a church plant from good news um so that is all for that um right now i'd like to call some people are being baptized up to the stage
1: Come on, right up in the middle. <clears throat> in
0: a, small
1: group oh, Wait a minute. Get you right in the middle. I've been at this for a long time. I've never had an experience like this that I'm going to have a chance to baptize three generations at one time. Isn't that cool? And the reason we do this, it's a great teaching time. We believe that our God (laughs) loves to work through families. Matter of fact, when the Philippian jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. So we have Beth Roberts who comes professing faith in Christ and she's going to be baptized and join Good News. And then her daughter, Caitlin Taylor, married Adam who comes professing her faith in Christ to be baptized and to join. And then there's son, John uh, Donald Taylor, who's coming to be baptized as a covenant child. So that's pretty cool, huh? So, Beth and Caitlin, when we believe in Jesus Christ, he forgives all of our sins. And he gives us the Holy Spirit to give us the desire and power to follow Jesus. So as the water is poured over your head, it really points to the fact that through your faith in Christ, your sins have been washed away and you've been forgiven. So let me pray and then I'll baptize you. Lord, thanks for Beth. Thanks for Caitlin. Thank you for them being baptized together. And we pray as the water is poured over their heads that you would assure them that through faith, we really are forgiven and empowered. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Beth, if we get you to step forward in the middle here. Beth. Roberts, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And Caitlin Taylor, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we rejoice with that. Oh, and John David, you're so blessed that God put you in a Christian family. When your mom and dad want for you more than anything in all the world, that you would know Christ too. And the reason we baptize children, we see that in the scriptures. We see in the Old Testament that Abraham had faith. And after he had faith, he received the sign of the covenant, which was circumcision. But his son was circumcised before he had faith because this child's greatest need was to be washed from his sins and needed the Holy Spirit to renew him. And, and we see the same in the New Testament. We see that Lydia comes to faith in Christ as an adult. So she has faith, and then she receives the sign, but her children were baptized as children. And Lydia was saying, I'm trusting in Jesus to save my children just like I'm trusting in him to save myself. So so excited, John David, that God loved you so much he put you in a Christian home whose mom and dad wants nothing more than for you to know Christ, so there are some questions for you, Adam and, and Caitlin. Do you acknowledge your son's need of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ and the renewing grace of the Holy Spirit? I do. And do you claim God's covenant promises in his behalf? And do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, for his salvation as you do for your own? I do. And do you now res- unreservedly dedicate your son to God, And promise in humble reliance upon divine grace that you will endeavor to set before him a godly example, that you will pray with him and for him, that you will teach him the truths of our faith, and that you will strive by all the means of God's appointment to bring him up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And and God takes a child puts that child in a, in a family, and that family is a part of a wider family. So there's a question for you as a congregation. Do you, un, do you as a congregation undertake the responsibility of assisting these parents in the Christian nurture of this child? And if you do, would you rise to indicate that, please? Lord, thank you for John David for putting him in a Christian home and that family a part of a larger family. Lord, we pray as the water is poured over his head that your Holy Spirit would begin to work in his heart, bringing him to saving faith in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. He looks really happy there, so I think I'll just leave him there. So, John, D- Donald, Taylor, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> now, sometimes people say he won't remember this. That's probably true. But here's a letter. On the day he puts his faith in Christ, a day for him to open up and read and, and realize that what God had promised on this day had become true in his life, that he'd come to know Christ. There's also a letter for you to remember your own responsibilities to raise him. So so thankful to, to be a part of this special day in your life. Now they come to join, and we have some other, two, a couple other people who are coming to join with them. So. They're not all joining. They're well-connected. We have Cale and Muriel Plumley, who've been baptized, who are coming, professing their faith in Christ and making good news their church home. And it's so good to see you so well-connected here. Wow, that's a really beautiful sight. So you shared with me your faith, and here's an opportunity for you to share your faith publicly before all these folks. Do you acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God, justly deserving His wrath and hopeless without His mercy? And do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners, and do you trust Him alone for salvation as He's offered in the gospel? I do. And do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will seek to live as followers of Christ should? I do. And do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of your ability? I do. And do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church and promise to promote its purity and peace? Thank you. It's so, we need Jesus, we need each other. And listen, you guys are all up here as witnesses, that they all said that we believe in Jesus and we want to follow Him, and so if they ever get squirrely and want to run away, you guys are up here to say, no, 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 I was there. I was there when you said you loved Jesus and you wanted to follow Him. And We we really do need Jesus and each other to stay on track in the world in which we live, don't we? Uh, Let me pray for you. Lord, thanks for folks joining your church. Lord, we need you. Lord, we need each other to follow you in the hostile world in which we live. So help each of our new members to feel welcome. Help them to grow here. We pray for those gifts and abilities you've given to them to use them in our body to help us be more and more the body of Christ you would have us to be. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to welcome them now, but encourage you after the service that you find them. Make sure they feel welcome. We're so glad. So glad to have you. So glad to have you. So glad. Thank you. Okay. I love that. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. We read in the Bible, and one of the places we find boring are all the genealogies, right? Where the genealogy should be one of the most fascinating thing in the Bible for us as we see the faith passed on from generation to generation to generation. How cool it was to have three generations up here today. Um, We rejoice this week at seeing one person put their faith in Christ. We rejoice in that. And before we open God's Word, let me let me pray. Lord, we're thankful to hear the stories of, of churches planted around the world. We're a part of a big, big family. And we pray in all of those churches today as they worship you that, that believers would be encouraged and lost people would hear the gospel and be one to you. Lord, our hearts are broken for so many military men and women who've served so much and And struggle so much. So Lord, help us. Help us to be a church that offers hope to people that, that really are struggling. And Lord, thank you for so many who sacrifice so much for the freedoms that we have in our country. Lord, we're a needy people and you know our needs, and we pray that you would meet our needs. Lord, as we open up your word today, we pray that you would teach us. For we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. If you weren't here last week, we're we're really glad you're here. We started a a new study this last week called 2 Timothy. If you have your Bible, won't you turn there with me, 2 Timothy, and I'll just catch you up a little bit. Paul is about to be executed. This is the last letter that he writes. He's been preaching the gospel for 30 years. And so he tells Timothy, who's kind of young and shy, it's your time. He pushed him out into the deep end. He said, it's your time to preach the gospel. You've heard the gospel, you've been given the Holy Spirit, it's your time, and I want you to know that in this book, I identify with Timothy and with Paul. I identify with Timothy because I can be a coward and rather shy myself, and I need to hear how important it is to be courageous. And yet, at the same time, I'm old like Paul, and uh, I don't have much time left, so it's up to you. I want to push you out into the deep end. You can do it. You can do it. You heard, you've been taught, you've received the Holy Spirit, it's your time. And so what we're learning is through the power of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 1, we're going to learn how important it is to guard the gospel. And then in chapter 2, we're going to learn how important it is that we suffer for the gospel. In chapter 3, that we continue in the gospel. And then chapter 4, that we preach the gospel. So that sets us up for today. 2 Timothy 1, verse 8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted in Christ Jesus from all eternity, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What? Did I read that? Did you hear that? It said Jesus what? He abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Don't you love drug commercials on TV? With a really sweet voice, take this pill, and it might help your acne. And then there's all these things, right? But it might cause heart palpitations or heart attack or stroke. You might die, Right? But what if I told you there was a pill, and the pill was the cure for death? Would you be interested? If there was such a pill, a pill that was the cure, don't we all, isn't our greatest enemy, what if there was a pill for death? And then, and then you say, well, what are the side effects? And what if I said there are no negative side effects? No negatives. Matter of fact, this pill is not only good for death, it's good for life. Wouldn't you be interested? And you say, well, I bet it's expensive. Oh, it's really expensive. It's more expensive than anything you can imagine. But we have a benevolent benefactor who paid the price so that there is a pill we can take and live forever. Forever. That's what we're going to unpack today. Matter of fact, I'm I'm going to talk about a gospel, you see, spelled a little different. We're going to learn about a gospel. And I want you to know the gospel is the cure for sin and death. What we're going to learn is that if we believe in Jesus, if we will take the gospel, then Jesus enables us to live well and die well, that Jesus enables us to live well and die well, because once... We take the gospel, and we know where we're going to spend eternity. We can enjoy life so much more here. We can enjoy life so much more here when we know something better is coming. Something better is coming. That's what helps us to enjoy life. Here is we live each day every night, lives knowing something better is coming. So this passage is just full. It's full of gospel. There's just gospel everywhere. But I thought verse 10... is so amazing that that's where we need to spend our time. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who abolished death. Did you know that death has been abolished and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel? What is the good news? The good news is that Jesus has abolished death And there's a cure for death and we can live forever. Who ever heard such good news? Now, the word gospel means good news, but it contains some bad news. And and if we're going to really appreciate the good news, we must understand the bad news. And the bad news is we have a problem. It's sin and death. Sin and death. And it's important that we understand that sin and death are connected that death is the penalty for sin. If there had been no sin, there would never have been death. And so we're going to learn today there's three kinds of death. There's spiritual death. There's physical death. That's what we often think about when we hear about death. There's physical death. And then there's eternal death. And all three are the result of sin. You ever wonder why we weep when someone dies? You know why? Because death is not the way things were meant to be. We remember and we long for the time when there was no death and there was a time there was, was no death and there will be a time in the future where there will be no more death. Let me show you. In in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, then the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils of the breath of life, and man became a living being. I'm so thankful to be a Christian, aren't you? We're surrounded by people who think they've come from nothing and are headed for nothing, but we believe there is a God who took dust and fashioned it and breathed into man, and man became a living being. And I want you to understand there's two parts to us. We we are spirit and body. Spirit and body, our bodies are part of who we are. God made us body and spirit. The story continues in verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. Listen, God works. And did you know God made us to work? Did you know that? God made us in his image to work. Work's a good thing. We're made to work. The Lord God commanded him saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat from it. You shall not eat, for in the day you eat from it, you will surely die. So God made us body and spirit, and listen, our hearts long for a person and a place. And do you know in the beginning there was a person and a place? That God walked with our first parents on earth, God walked. We were made for a person and we longed for a place. There was paradise on earth. So God walked with our first parents on earth and there was no doubt that it was so good. And there were, it was all yeses. All yeses and only one no, right? You can eat from anything, you can do anything, but there's one no. And God said, The day you eat from the tree, you'll surely die. So man could live forever if he kept one commandment. You know how the story goes. You get to chapter 3, and Satan disguised as a serpent comes to Eve. And the first thing he says is, has God said? The first thing Satan does is he questions God's word. Did God really say, isn't the same true today? I mean, you don't believe the Bible, do you? I mean, it was written by people a long time ago. Has God really said And the second thing that he did was he questioned God's goodness. God is against fun. Are you kidding me? It was all yeses. It was paradise, and man walked with God in paradise. And Satan says, God wants to keep you from having, go ahead and eat. Go ahead. You'll have fun and you won't die. So Eve and Adam took and they ate. So the question before you is, did they die? You guys there, did they die? Yes, they died. Thank you, because God said what? The day you eat from it, you will surely die, right? Uh, You see, they died spiritually because uh, spiritual death is a separation from God. And before this, they had walked with God. Now they were afraid of God. Let me show you in chapter 3, verse 8. Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They had walked with God. They had had fellowship with God. But now, because they had died spiritually, they were separated from God and they hid from God. And we have been hiding from God ever since. Oh, in Ephesians 2, verse 1, listen to this. Spiritual death, and you were, what? Dead in your trespasses and sins. Sin brings death, spiritual death, a separation from God, so that we're unable to to save ourselves. So the moment Adam and Eve sinned, they died spiritually. The moment they sinned, physical death, physical death began to happen. Sickness came into the world and suffering and death. And so all of us since Adam and Eve have, have experienced physical death and Physical death is the separation of our body and spirit from one another. Death in the Bible is always separation. Spiritual death is, is the separation from God. Physical death is when our bodies and spirits are separated. Um, and then there's the third kind of death, which is eternal death, which is the worst death which is separation from God and from all good things forever. That's what hell is. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9, these will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Oh, I talk to people often. They say, well, you know, Smiley, the, the weather will be better in heaven, but the company will be better in hell. And say, no, no. Hell is separation from God and from all good things. In this life, we all get to enjoy the beauty of God's creation and family and friends and food. But listen, hell will be not only separation from God, but from all good things. Um, In Revelation 21, speaking of eternal death, verse 8, but for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers, and immoral persons, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars. Don't you love that last one? And all liars. Our first thought is what? There won't be any politicians in heaven, right? But our second thought is, aren't we all guilty? Oh, and all liars, not just the big lies, all liars, that part will be in the lake, That burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Listen, sin and death are connected. If there had never been any sin, there would be no death. Because we've sinned, there's spiritual death, separation from God. There's... Physical death, when our bodies and spirits are separated from one another. And then there's eternal death, because we've all committed crime after crime against God. God says what we deserve is eternal death, the second death, which is separation from God and from all good things forever. That's the bad news. Oh, And once we understand that sin and death are connected, back to our verse, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. Do you know who he is? Do you know who Jesus is? Jesus is God the Son who put on flesh and came to earth. He's God made man. And do you know why he came? He came to abolish death. He came to bring life and immortality to all who believe. The appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Well, how did he do that? He put on flesh, came to earth, lived a perfect life, and then he died on the cross for our sins. Let me show you that in 1 Corinthians 15. Look at this verse very carefully. For I delivered to you as of first importance. You're in school. You hear it's of first importance. What do you know? You need to know this, right? So what's the first importance for I delivered you as the first importance would I also receive that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures? People tell me all the time, well, all religions teach the same thing. Really? What do they teach? Be good. No, no. The center of the Christian faith, the center of the gospel is that Christ died for our sins. You see, sin and death are connected. We have sinned. The penalty is death. So Christ died in our place on the cross once and for all for our sins, our sins placed on Him. He paid for them in full. He cried out from the cross, It is finished. He said He'd paid it in full. He said He'd abolished death and brought life and immortality. So, how do we know it's true? How do we know what He said it's true that it's been paid? Here's how Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and then he was buried and then he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Death is the penalty for sin and the proof that Jesus had paid the penalty for our sins in full is he walked out, proving he had conquered sin and death. Then we say, well, how do we know that? Well, <clears throat> after he rose, he appeared to Cephas. He, he appeared to Peter, changed his life. Then to the 12, the, the scared disciples, he appeared to them, Right? After that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time. More than 500 people saw him alive. But some have fallen asleep, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. When Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, most of them were still alive, and you could have talked to them. But listen, they've left us a written record of what they saw in his word. Then he appeared to James, his half-brother, changed his life, and last then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared to me also." Wow. So Jesus came to provide a cure for sin and death. He paid for our sins in full. He rose and he offers us the greatest gift ever. He offers to save us from our sins. He offers to save us for forgiveness, for life, for immortality. And he offers to us eternal life as a free gift. (laughs) Listen, the gospel is free and we receive this gift by faith. In John 3, 16, Jesus makes it so clear. Would you, read this, would you read this verse with me? Let's read it together, okay? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Don't you love this verse? It's not just that God loved the world. he what? He so loved the world. Oh, that he gave his son to live and die so that death might be abolished and we might have life and immortality. So who does Jesus say? Who does Jesus say has eternal life? Who? Those who believe, right? Do you? Well, well, what does it mean to believe? Doesn't, Doesn't everybody believe in Jesus? Listen, saving faith is really simple. It's as simple as ABC where we admit and believe and commit. And I want you to know what this verse says: that if we don't believe in Christ, we're going to perish. But if we believe in Jesus, we're going to live forever. So it's so important to understand saving faith. You can put your faith in Him now, or as we close in prayer, I'd be glad to assist you. But one day it'll be too late. Don't wait. It starts when we admit, Jesus, I've told lies, <laughs> I, I've sinned, uh, I've sinned against you. And I'm sorry. And then, Jesus, I believe. You died on the cross in my place for my sins and rose. And then we commit to Jesus as Savior. And Lord, Jesus, come in and be my Savior and forgive me. And give me eternal life. Won't you do that? I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. And Jesus says that if we would believe in him, that we would not perish but have eternal life. So in our lives, he's abolished death and given us life and immortality, and that's the gospel back in verse 10. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So the moment we believe we're saved from uh, spiritual death for spiritual life, We're not separated from God anymore. We get to do life here on earth with Jesus, with a friend who loves us, with a purpose big enough to give our lives to. Ah, Eternal life is being saved from spiritual death for spiritual life. Well, what about physical death? When we believe in Jesus, the Bible says the sting of death has been removed because death is the penalty for sin, and since sin has been paid for, the sting has been taken away that we don't need to fear physical death, and one day soon, Jesus will do away with physical death. You know what's so great to be a Christian is Jesus goes before us, and he says, follow me. And in Good News, we love to talk about how Jesus is our model for life and for ministry, but have you ever thought that Jesus is our model for death? If you want to know how to die well, look at Jesus When we see him on the cross, the first thing that strikes me is Jesus didn't die before he died. Isn't that true? I mean, do you know any people, and they've died long before they died? But Jesus on the cross, he's still ministering to others. He says, John, take care of mom. Mom, don't worry, John will take care of you. He's still serving others. He turns to the thief on the cross next to him, what, and says, what, today you'll be with me in paradise. He's winning people to faith in Christ, even as he's dying on the cross for our sins, don't you want to be like that? Don't die before you die. Oh, but do you hear what Je- he said? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus knew that as awful as the cross was, he could endure it because in just a few moments he would be in paradise, right? Remember his last words? His last words were what? Into your hands I commit my spirit. Didn't he show us how to die, didn't he? Jesus showed us how to live well. Didn't he show us how to die well too? Isn't that what the Apostle Paul means when he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? Therefore, always being of good courage and knowing that while we were at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. You see, God made us body and spirit, and, and he made us to do life and eternity with God. And in this life, we're at home in our bodies, but we're absent from the physical presence of the Lord. We're walking by faith. Well, what happens when a Christian dies? For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Those loved ones that we know that have died, yes, their body is here, but, but listen, they're with the Lord. They're walking by sight and not by faith. So when we believe in Jesus Listen, we're saved from spiritual death to do life with Jesus now and forever. We're saved from the sting of death, and one day soon, Jesus is coming back, and there will be no more physical death. We're saved from eternal death for eternal life. You ever heard um, born once, what? Die twice, right? That if you're only born once, you're going to die twice. You're going to die physically and eternally, right? Right? But listen, if you're born what? If you're born twice, you only die once. Oh, let me share with you what is coming. In Revelation 21, verse 1 Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. Ask any surfer what their worst verse in the Bible is. I still believe sea is where evil is, you know, and so there won't be any evil. There's got to be waves on the new earth. And I heard an amen. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Uh, Heaven is where God dwells. And did you know that heaven is coming to earth? Uh, Heaven is coming to earth. and, And when heaven comes to earth, our bodies are going to be raised up. We're going to be whole. We're going to be perfect in body and spirit. And we're going to spend eternity on a new earth. Once again, the person, Jesus, and the place, paradise on earth. And what's it going to be like? And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Oh, wouldn't you love to live on earth? With no tears, one day it'll be true. Will you be there? And there will no longer be any death. Wouldn't you love to live on earth where no one dies? Listen, I hate death. I have done so many funerals, and I so look forward to the death when no one or the day when no one dies. Listen, there's there's no more death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Wouldn't you love no more domestic violence and no more rape and no more racism, no more suffering? And he who sits on this throne said, behold, I am making all things new. Uh, When Jesus comes back, he's going to make it like it was in the beginning. Once again, we will do life with God, person and a place on earth. He's going to make all things new. Everything beautiful about earth will be there, and everything sad and broken will suddenly become untrue. And he said, right, for these words are faithful truth. and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Here's the good part. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. The gospel is free for us. Listen, the opportunity to live forever is free for us because Jesus paid the penalty on the cross for us. So... What do we learn so far? That the gospel is the cure for sin and death, that, that Jesus enables us to live well and die well, that the moment we believe in Jesus, listen, that we are, we are saved from spiritual death for spiritual life. We're saved from the sting of death and one day from physical death altogether. We're saved from eternal punishment for eternal life, from eternal death to eternal life. So now <clears throat> I want to take all that we've learned and I want to... Uh, Apply it and give you an action step for the week. And the action step for this week <clears throat> is that you would know Jesus now and forever. To know Jesus now and forever. Uh, that's why I have this sweet shirt on. See, it says no, and then it used to have a about, and then have Jesus, and the bow is scratched out because I want you to know Jesus. Listen to verse 12, our action step. For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know. About Jesus? No. For I know what I believe? No, for I know whom I have believed. Do you know Jesus? Don't you want to know Jesus? For I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. He says, man, I know Jesus, and I know that he's promised to be with me every step of the way, and I know that he will get me safely home. I've entrusted my life and eternity to him, and I know he'll get me safely home. Do you? So listen, to know Jesus, what we need to do is to take a gospel every day, a gospel every day. Listen, the gospel is so incredible that we have to tell it to ourselves every day. There is a cure for death. There is a cure for sin and death. I know the one who is the cure. The most important habit, habit that any of us can ever develop is to preach the gospel to ourselves daily, to take a gospel every day. What if this week we began each day with that gospel? For this reason I also suffer these things, but I'm not ashamed, for I know Jesus I know whom I believed and I'm convinced that he's able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. Jesus, I'm so thankful that you saved me. I'm so thankful I have eternal life. I'm so thankful you'll be with me every step of the way. I'm so thankful to know the best is yet to come. Verse 10, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you have saved me from spiritual death to spiritual life. I get to do life with you. Thank you. Thank you for freeing me from physical death. I'm going to live forever. Thank you for freeing me from eternal death for eternal life. And before you leave the house, after you take the gospel, look in the mirror, will you? And make sure the gospel hits your face. Really? I mean, if there are people on earth and some believe there's a cure for death, and some don't, shouldn't you see the difference? Shouldn't you? Shouldn't people be able to tell you took the gospel? I know I've shared with you before, but it's so good. Spurgeon says, when you talk about heaven, your face should show it. I mean, if you're headed to heaven, your face should show it, right? He says you should smile, you should be thankful. People should see. You do remember what else he said. He said, but when you talk about hell your everyday face will do. I mean, imagine what would happen if we woke up each day and took a gospel and then we told our face and then we went out into the land of the dying knowing there was a cure for death. One of the best ways to know Jesus is to share him with others. So after you take the gospel, Ask the Lord for an opportunity every day to to share the gospel with others because we have the cure for death and we live in the land of the dying. You can see it in people's faces all around you. Don't you see people so lacking in hope? Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Did you see what he said there? He said his prisoner Did you notice, he didn't say, I'm a prisoner in Rome. He said, I've been captured by the love of Christ. Have you? Oh, I love in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's what happened in Paul's life. Um, For the love of Christ controls us. He met Jesus, have you? For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Well, we live in the land of the dying, don't we? And we have the cure for death. Let's offer the gospel to others daily, right? Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling? Are you a Christian? Are you a disciple? Jesus says, follow me. We have a holy calling and we learned a couple of weeks ago that the gospel is the, God, God, the glorious gospel of the happy God. A holy life is a happy life. Jesus lived a beautiful life, and he gave us the Holy Spirit so we would recognize that it's a beautiful life and to give us the desire to respond to a holy calling and a happy calling. A holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was granted us in Christ Jesus from all eternity. Hey, some of you aren't smiling yet. Let me me get you there. Before the world was created, Jesus knew you. Before the world was created, He chose you to be with Him forever. Before you were even born, He chose to love you. Smile. When Jesus came, it was for you. He came for you. He knew you by name. When He lived a perfect life and resisted temptation, it was for you. When He died on the cross, it was for you. When He rose, it was for you. He arranged your whole life, and He loved you so much, He sent someone to share the gospel with you, and He sent the Holy Spirit to raise you from the dead so that you could hear His call and respond. Smile. He called you so you could do life and eternity together. He called you because he has a purpose for your life. Every day here on earth, big enough to give your life to. Oh, in John 15, verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you. Isn't that cool? I know. Smiley, didn't I choose Jesus? Sure you did. But long before you chose him, he first chose you. And here's why. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. You are wasting your life. And I called you to give you an opportunity to give your life to something here on earth that's going to last forever. I'm entrusting to you the cure for death. (laughs) For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher. So he gives us the cure, and, and, and he wants us to go and share it with others. Oh, I, I love what the Apostle Paul said. The reason he loved to share the gospel is because it was the cure for death, and all of us have a fatal disease. So in Romans 1, uh, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Do you know the biggest problem in the, in the world is that we refuse to believe the gospel? I believe the biggest problem in the world is, is not our government and, and not all those other things. The biggest problem in the world is that we as Christians do not believe the gospel. Because if we believe that God had entrusted to us the cure for death, man, you couldn't hold us back that's what Paul, he was willing to take on the whole Roman Empire. You know why? Because he had the gospel. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Well, imagine a church that believed that unleashed in our time. Don't you want to be a part of that? Um, uh, so what have we learned that Jesus enables us to live well and to die well? And let's learn from Paul Let's take a gospel. Let's learn to preach the gospel to ourselves. And then as we tell our faith, let's go out and share that gospel with others. And I, I, know, I know some of you are going to say, but, but Paul was an apostle. And he was. But I want you to know the same Jesus he believed in, we do too. The same Holy Spirit that lived in him lives in us too. And the same gospel he preached is the same one we preach. So some of you still aren't convinced. So let me tell you about Amy, okay? Okay. Um, I miss Amy. The first time I ever talked to her, she called me on the phone, and she said, Smiley, would you do my funeral? Nobody had ever said that the first thing to me. I said, could we talk? And uh, she came to my office, and she said, the day I bought a home in Andalusia right next to us, the day I bought my home there, the doctor told me I had three months to live. And uh, so I wanted, I just moved here. I, I don't have a church, and I'd love for you to do my funeral because I'm have a lot of lost friends there, and I want them to know Jesus. Do you ever wonder if your anchor will hold when you need it the most? I wonder that sometimes, and I have seen so many people who've taken a gospel, live well and die well. Do you know what? She never thought about herself She came in, and she set up with me how she wanted her service to be so that we could share the gospel with her friends. And do you know what she did for the next three months? She called all of her friends, and she said, I don't have much time left, and I love you, and I have found the cure for death, and I know where I'm going. And I want you to know him too because I'd love to be with you in Jesus forever. Oh man, when I think of what the gospel can do in someone's life. When I think of how the gospel enables us to live well and die well, I don't just think of people like Paul. I think of people like Amy because she taught me how Jesus really does enable us to live well and die well. And that's why I want you to know Jesus Because if you know Jesus, you'll be equipped to live well and die well. For this reason I also suffer these things, but I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so thankful there's a cure for death. There's a cure for sin. You're the cure. Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins so that you could abolish death and give life and immortality to all who put their faith in you. Listen, if you've never put your faith in Christ, if you've never received eternal life, one day it'll be too late. Won't you believe Jesus is here? Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, way to go. Won't you mark that on your card and put it in the box we'd love to celebrate with? Tell someone. Tell someone, today I trusted Christ. Best decision you will ever make. Lord, I pray for those of us who've believed in you. Holy Spirit, help us to believe the gospel. Help us to believe that Jesus is the cure for death. Lord, help us this week to know you. Lord, help us to take a gospel every day and to rejoice and celebrate that we've been saved from death for life. And Lord, as we we take a gospel, Lord, tell our face, tell our face, move it from our heart to our face that people could see there's a cure for death. Lord, as we go out into the land of the dying, May we have opportunities to offer the cure for death, the gospel to others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.